Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and this is podcast number 169. And today is Labor Day, so wishing everyone listening in the U.S. a very happy Labor Day weekend. And hopefully you are wrapping up your summer in style and looking forward to the fall. It's one of my favorite seasons of the year. I look forward to cooler temperatures, at least here in New York, where it's been over 90 every day for like the past two weeks. Um, And also looking forward to football season, my favorite season of the year. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, being as I am from Pennsylvania, even though I live in New York City right now. But we could talk more on that uh, at another time. Um, In this episode, episode 169, I sat down and spoke with Paul Potter. He is a physical therapist and mentor and an author. His book, On Fire, Ignite Your Passion with a Cash Therapy Practice, comes out tomorrow. So that is Tuesday, September 8th. His book, On Fire, Ignite Your Passion with Cash Therapy Practice, comes out tomorrow. Paul is wonderful. You're going to love this episode. He's so thoughtful and so meaningful um, with his beliefs around business and around being a physical therapist. He's been a PT for more than 35 years, so I think he kind of knows what he's talking about. And he also has a podcast. So if you haven't checked out his podcast, check it out. It's called the Functional Freedom Podcast. You can find more about it at paulpotterpt.com. It's a great podcast. He's just such a nice guy. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, But in this episode, we talk about uh, his book. We talk about why he became a physical therapist, what his passion is regarding physical therapy and helping his patients and building a business. And it's all about having um, a mindset towards giving and towards learning. And Paul talks all about that uh, in this episode. And, And also, what is the link between having that mindset and building a business. Um, We also talk a little bit about the new healthcare economy and how to reach out to consumers, uh, why people are going into cash-based business, the four, and and the best parts, kind of a little bit towards the, the end of the episode, but talks about the four essential stages for business success. So as Paul calls it, his dream practice roadmap. And it's it's really great. So make sure you listen all the way to the end because there's a lot of great information. So if you're thinking about starting a practice, this is a great podcast to listen to. If you're in physical therapy school and you're not sure, listen, get more information. And even if you don't ever dream of owning your own practice, knowing the things that Paul tells us in this podcast will help you be a better employee in the business you are in right now. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode because Paul is really quite wonderful. Um, Before we get to that, let's get to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Community Board. So I've got a couple of things. The first I wanted to share with all of you guys that uh, I am supporting a colleague. His name's Dr. Joe Tada. He is a doctor of physical therapy and certified clinical nutritionist. And he organized an online event called the Healing Pain Summit. And, you know, I've done two of these online summits, so I know how much work goes into it, and it's a lot. Um, So if you want more info, you can go to www.thehealingpainsummit.com, all one word, and check out the website. It's a six-day, completely free online event 
free, aimed at helping clinicians and patients find the root cause of chronic persistent pain. Experts in the field of medicine, physical therapy, nutrition, psychology, and personal development will discuss an integrated approach to healing pain and overcoming many chronic diseases that cause pain. So again, you can sign up for free and watch it for free at thehealingpainsummit.com. And you'll notice some familiar faces. At least one person that I have interviewed on this podcast is part of this summit. So be sure to check it out. The other thing I want to mention is, and I mentioned this last week, the Stand Haiti Project. So you want to go to www.standhaitiproject.org. They have a Kickstarter so that they can bring a film crew with them when they go to Haiti at the end of this month, the end of September. They go for two weeks. They bring a bunch of volunteer physical therapists with them. They will treat over 1,200 people in two weeks in one of the poorest parts of Haiti. So they have a Kickstarter to bring this film crew with them so that they can make a short film and use that film to show the rest of the world what the con- medical conditions are like in Haiti. So it's a really powerful film. You have until September 19th to go onto their Kickstarter and donate. And again, you don't have to donate $250, $500, Go on, donate 15 bucks, donate $25. Like I said on Twitter uh, earlier this weekend, give up going to Starbucks for a week and use that money. Donate it to Haiti. The people of Haiti can really, really use your help. So you have until September 19th. They're looking to get $10,000. They're at, I think, around 5400 So we don't have much further to go. So if you're listening and you want to do something nice, you have an extra 15, 25, 50 bucks, go on there, donate it. It's going to a good cause. I promise you. I have already donated and as have a lot of others. So please go on and consider uh, donating to standhaitiproject.org. You'll go on there, you see a big star to the left. It says Kickstarter. Click it. It'll take you to the Kickstarter page. So uh, without further ado, let's get to today's episode with Paul Potter. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today I'm excited to have on Paul Potter. He is a physical therapist and mentor who lives in Nebraska with his wife, and who is also a therapist. And for more than 35 years, he successfully managed his own private practice. He is also, also the author of the brand new book, On Fire, Ignite Your Passion with a Cash therapy practice. So Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Hey Karen, it's great to see you and great to be on your show. Great. So hey. I wish I wish people could see us cuz Paul has a podcast. Obviously, I have a podcast. We're on it. So we're both like totally mic'd up and and we're it's just a lot of gear happening so here techie, right now. So techie. So yeah. techie. Oh yeah. <laughs> so opposite of physical therapy. <laughs> exactly. We are all teched out here. We've got like the big huge headphones on and our nice <laughs> microphones. I do not have a pop guard. You have a pop guard. <laughs> uh, the reason I don't have a pop guard is because this microphone has a built-in pop guard. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So the magic of internet. Here we are. Yes. So so here we are. Okay. So you just wrote this book. Um, I should say you just wrote it. You're 
you've probably you've been writing it for quite some time. And, the labor of love. Yes, and so it's coming out this week, and it's called On Fire: Ignite Your Passion with a Cash Therapy Practice. So one can assume it's all about cash PT, which is oh. sort of a. I I mean I don't know that it's a newer trend. I think you would probably say it. Would you say it's a newer trend amongst physical therapists? I think it's been a nice, convenient term that we've rallied around and it's gained some momentum. And as I use it in the book, I use it to kind of purposely help therapists think in a different mindset than being dependent upon physician referrals, the insurance reimbursement system, and being in this regulated third-party payer system, that term cash therapy practice forces you to say, huh, is there an alternative way to doing it through this whole big complex system? And if I choose an alternative way, what would that look like and how would I practice as a therapist? And that, I, I, what, what's the best term for that? I've almost even thought about indie therapy practice as that term indie has swept through the music industry mm. and publishing. It's almost like we're seeing that type of ground movement where therapists and medical professionals are opting out of the traditional systems and coming up with uh, more creative ways to deliver the goods to the consumer. And cash therapy is just a little bit more of a term that people are more aware of at this time. Right. And, you know, what I... You know, I've had, as well, have had a cash-based practice for like 10 years now, maybe maybe longer on a part-time basis, and then shifted to full-time. And whenever I say even to patients that it's, oh, it's a cash-based business, they're like, oh, do you not, you can I can only give you cash? That's like the first, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. It just means that I don't take insurance. The New um, Yorkers with cash? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I can only give you cash then. I'm like, no, you can pay me whatever way you want. Um, but let's kind of go back to, there's a, a big part of your book delves into the why behind one's desire to start a cash-based practice. So my first question to you is, what was your why? What was your impetus for starting a cash-based practice? Well, I can answer that in two ways. One, the kind of the seminal moment, the beginning moment was probably, I think we're at 21 years ago, Karen. One was I was diagnosed with cancer when I was 40 years old. Diagnosed with a stage three melanoma and given about a year to live. So I had a practice going at that time and I had to kind of shut that down. Uh, at that point, they said uh, my lease was up and they said, Well, you're going to have to sign a five year lease to keep your space. And I said, And I was thinking to myself, Five years? I, I might not even have five months. So during that, that whole time, you know, you had to do a lot of reassessments as well, what is really important in life and what am I going to live for? And what's, what's, what's my life going to look like? And so I just kind of shut the practice down, started really focusing on my family and my own spirituality. But then as you get going with it, you got to live out each day. 
I said, you know, I'm not dead yet, and I've got to provide for my family. So then I started to say, well, what kind of practice can I grow with that I don't sacrifice these priorities because I don't know how many days I have to live. And like I said, that was 20 years ago, but that drastically shaped how I looked at kind of that work-life balance and maybe even just purpose and that, that why became more important at that point. Why am I doing this? Is it really just for the money? Is it just to be a, quote, successful therapist? Is there a, a higher purpose to that? So that was 20-some years ago. And then that particular ride ended last December where I sold that practice. And I've, I, our children have grown, and we've moved into a different stage of life. So my why now is a little bit to help other therapists maybe take that same journey. And I sense there's a growing movement among younger therapists that are looking at our profession, looking at the system and say, you know, that's not success to me. I, I just really don't want to work those long hours like I have a friend of mine that left his successful practice and he'd be getting home seven, eight o'clock at night. He's got three young children, successful practice. He says, you know, they're only young for so long. I, I really don't want to eat my dinner by myself and tuck them into bed. So he walked away from that practice and is starting his own. And that kind of gives you an illustration. My why now is to help mentor help equip, teach, and enable therapists to pursue our great profession with those type of values. So, so let me ask you a question. How are you still around? Give you a year to live. I'm, I'm curious. What, what's, what's happening here? Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, why yeah am it's I still fairly around? amazing. Yeah, why am I still around? Why, what are you still doing here? Exactly, exactly. And I would say I would answer that. It, another interesting, I'll give a, a book in on this. This would be 20 years later, 21 years later. Last weekend, a, a peer of mine who I played tennis against in, ten, in high school. So this is like the 70s when we had those tight shorts and the, the knee-high socks mm -hmm. and that type of thing. Well, he just, he was 58 and he just died of pancreatic cancer. So I went to his memorial on Wednesday, and here I'm watching the slideshows, and, and I look at that, and my wife says, that looks like you. You know, the hair, the clothing, but it took you back into that era. So we're sitting through this memorial, and it was just really interesting. The things that stood out were faith, family, and leaving a legacy. And this Jeff had uh, invested his life in students for the last 20 years, and that kept coming back of leaving a legacy and investing in the lives of others. So without getting too metaphysical or too philosophical, I, I sense that's at this stage of life, we've raised our family, I've invested in my practice and the, my patients' lives, invested in to my family's lives, and they're pretty much on their own. I'm seeking to why I think I'm around is to share what I have, the wisdom from the past, and mesh that together with these young, bright therapists with the passions that they have to help still make an impact in the world today like we were doing 30 years ago. Well, that's a good, that's a good why. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> why. That's a great why. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about a shock to your system and, and really making you reevaluate 
your priorities when you get a diagnosis of, oh, you might live a year? It's interesting how it factored into the practice because as a practice, when you have a, maybe a short window like that, you just can't assume growth. Mm-hmm. So basically, I started a solo practice and worked at how do I make this as efficient as possible because I was doing it all myself. So the systems that I set up were very uh, efficient and low overhead and really tried to keep it simple, which is you know so critical in terms of starting a cash-based practice or any practice for that matter mm-hmm. these days. So it's, it's been a nice carryover to help uh, therapists uh, today. Nice. And it's all about systems, right? Finding the right system that works for you and your business, not just a, I don't think there's a generic system for every business, but I think finding whatever system works for you and, and being able to at some point have that be on autopilot, um, I think makes such a big difference. Jeff Hathaway, who I, I'm sure you know, is oh, yeah. a big uh, systems guy. And he's found that implementing these systems just makes life so much easier. And especially, like you said, when you're starting out a cash-based business, odds are you're probably by yourself. Yeah, you're really bootstrapping it. Yeah. And you, you quickly find out that you're wearing many hats. And then mm-hmm. if you do get that growth, you start to find out, Either I make this really efficient or I'm going to be spending lots and lots of hours to it. So that it gets into a little bit of a mindset that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's let's talk about a little bit more about what you what you talk about in the book. And we've mentioned it a couple of times here, and that's the therapist mindset. So what is the link between a mindset and starting a practice? I like that term mindset because when I started exploring this a little bit and as we've had this discussion, well, I just really want to know how to do it. And it, you can quickly go to the nuts and bolts. I do this, I do this, I do this. And it does get back to what we talked about further, that why question. And I do have a, a, a strong belief that it's a noble calling to be in medicine, that we here we are, we're gifted intellectually. We go through these educational process and we enter into this trusting relationship with our patients. They trust us with their health and their future. They allow us to touch them. And that is a noble calling. (laughs) That is a wonderful thing to be able to be in that type of intimate relationship and use the challenge of medicine to, to figure out what's happening anatomically, physiologically, what's happening with them emotionally. That is a wonderful calling. The problem is the systems around have changed where it's made it difficult for us to, to, to do what we're called to do. And I feel like the cash-based practice and that practice model even even it's the model, even if you do work in an institution or you work in a, a larger organization, how you approach your own personal practice, I would approach it that, oh, you are in a you are feeling the effects of the economical implications of the care that you give. That will make you a better practitioner. And it's your responsibility to build your own platform to to reach out to patients, the, the medical econ- economics have changed. It's such that you really can't trust 
uh, a hospital PR department or you can't really trust a referral source to feed you patients to allow you to practice the way that you want, I think we're at a time saying, I am going to take that responsibility and ownership of my own professional practice wherever that location might be and whatever reimbursements it would be. So what, what I think you're saying is regardless of whether you have your own practice or you're working within a practice or a hospital, it's more approaching each patient with the mindset of, you know, I'm, uh, I guess, giving yourself to that patient or, or really being present and being mindful of when you're working with that patient to give the best treatment you can to that patient and to grow your own practice, maybe not physical practice, but the practice of being a therapist. Yeah, and, that, and that's, that's that clinical expertise mm -hmm. that I think is so important. But I believe that is based upon that sense of calling and I'm doing something that I'm really called to do and it's played out patient by patient by patient. That's the job satisfaction. That's the value that can get lost in this cash therapy model. That that term is, you know, at some point you say, you know, it's really not about the cash. Cash can provide a certain amount of practice freedom, you know, professional freedom, personal freedom, financial freedom. But when it's all said and done, especially at this stage of my life, when I'm looking back, you say it's that investment in people that really has made the difference. Me being in private practice has allowed me more control and autonomy to do that. But it, it, the, the money's nice, and I am very thankful <laughs> that I got. Listen, you got to eat. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I viewed it as that is a a um, a payment back for the delivering of the value that I gave. And I loved having sure. the skin in the game, and I loved that direct connection that my patients felt that they were receiving something of value from me. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why you can't be compensated for value that you're giving to others and for for doing a, uh, for being in service of others. It's okay to be paid for that as well. Like they're not mutually exclusive. You can't you can be altruistic and you can you can want to serve, but you can also get paid for it. Absolutely. You know? And so let me ask you a question. You had mentioned clinical expertise there. And, and what is your opinion on a new grad right out of school starting a cash-based PT practice? Or any, starting any, or, or even any uh, private practice. So you graduate in May and, and in September you start your own practice. Well, let me give you my kind of my metaphor that in the book I talk about it being a triathlon. Mm -hmm. so yeah, wanna, I love that. By the you way, you want to view it that way. So, in, so, so if I was a new grad, I says, you know, this isn't just uh, a running race. That I'm a really fast runner. It's a combination of all your times. You're a runner, and then you have to be a good swimmer, and then you have to be good at biking. It's the combination of all those performance in each one of those areas goes into your final performance. So the, the different events in terms of, uh, I, I would believe for any practitioner, is a, a clinical expertise. And there's no substitute for that. You have to be clinically an expert at what you do, and you have to get people better. Mm 
mm-hmm. and do that in an efficient way. The second mm-hmm. one is a business expertise. So that would be that next event is just understanding economics. And there is a transfer of value. I give a service for value and money in reimbursement exchange for that. So I, I have to understand how does a business or how does economics of healthcare operate? And the third one is a marketing expertise that you might be the greatest clinician in the world. You might run an efficient business, but if nobody knows about you and um, you're not good at selling your services and at marketing that, you won't have a successful practice. So in light of that, what I would suggest to a new graduate and what I will is just work on being clinically an expert. That takes an apprenticeship more, and it takes practice. And I would say you need to, uh, the, the wisest thing is to get some clinical expertise. You've got an entry-level expertise is to learn under a master, to, to try to apprentice yourself. I like the apprenticeship model a lot more than this will educate you, get you entry-level, then you're out on your own. Mm-hmm. I, I do like that apprentice model. Prior to that, I would start building your own professional platform. You could be doing that with an online blog. You could be doing that with your social media. Not necessarily that you're doing that as an individual, but you're doing that with a professional brand. And I would start to start educating myself in the business and the marketing aspects of being a professional therapist. Yeah, absolutely. And great advice. Thank you for that. So just to to recap, the triathlon of Cash PT is your clinical expertise, your business expertise, and your marketing expertise. So in school, we're pretty pretty well. They put you on a good path for clinical, but business and marketing, eh, maybe not so much. So that's a lot of work, and you have to kind of go outside of of what you're learning in school for that. Would you agree? I would agree, and I would say quote that the myth of being a staff therapist, I think that's a myth now. We can grow my expertise and become clinically very good, but I would say those missing events of the marketing and the business and knowing how to interact with the, the medical economy, with other health professionals, is just with other business people, other networks within, the, within your community is equally as important to being a well-rounded, effective um, professional in this particular marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what I found what's what's been very helpful for me is being very successful at networking. Like I'm a good networker. That's oh, one absolutely. Of, that's one of my biggest strengths. And so that's something if you're not a good if you suck at it, you better get better at it before you kind of open up your own practice because you don't want to come off as like a jerk. Right? Because nobody wants to send somebody to a jerk, even if you have like the best clinical expertise in the world. So yep. I think knowing how to negotiate and, and knowing how to network with people is really important. So, what is your best advice on networking well? Yeah, I have an interesting take on that. You know, with in the book again, I talk about the new, the old healthcare economy, the new healthcare economy, and then the next phase is that new consumer in the healthcare economy. We have seen some fundamentally change, fundamental changes in our culture and how healthcare is reimbursed. So, with that, if I have what I'm seeing is consumers 
since their money is at stake now, they says, you know, I've got a $5,000 deductible, $7,000 deductible. I am paying for this out of my pocket. I want value for my money. And they are intolerant and are not going <laughs> to pay for it. It's true. Business as usual. They said, oh, I sat in that guy's office for an hour and I got three minutes of his time and they charged me 300 bucks. That's terrible. This, this <laughs> new, you know, or, or they said, oh, I, this clinic I went to, I told him it was, ca- I, we were paying out of our pocket and um, we got the bill and we saw him six times and it was $300 per visit. And I come and it was 20 minutes of their time and I got, oh, 15 minutes of their time and then 15 minutes of this assistant and aide. Then they come to your, your clinic and I get 45 minutes of your time and it, they, it, you're charging me $100. I value my personal relationship with you, your expertise. That's important to me. And I think developing networks via the internet and making yourself more approachable, being in the community where you can start to develop those type of relationships where people can get to know you as a genuine expert that they can trust. There is a growing movement of people saying, I want that provider and I'm going to go to my surgeon and my doctor and tell them who I want to go to. I don't want to go to your guy. I don't want to go to the therapist in your basement. I want to go to... Paul or Karen because I've met them, I've got to, a conversation with them on Facebook or on their blog, that's who I want to go to. And as the therapist, I would say that's who you should be networking with. And, and, and it isn't like you have to take on a whole new persona. You just have to kind of be yourself and use your expertise to give and to be useful, mm-hmm. educate, and just be available to people. Yeah, and I think it's it's really coming from a place of being in service of others. And and the consumer will see that. They will see that you're genuine and you want to be of service and that you love what you do. And they'll also see the person who is in it for the money. I mean, that's, that's very, very obvious. Um, but I, I think if you can approach anyone, and it doesn't, it, from the physician, to people in your community, to fellow PTs. I mean, I get referrals from PTs because I see patients in their homes. And so I get referrals from physical therapists who have a brick and mortar practice who take insurance. But that patient is still willing to go out of network because of the value that I bring. And part of it, in my case, is a little unique because I'm going to the patient. So it does make life a lot easier for them. That being said, I get those referrals because I'm coming to those people coming from a place of service and coming just getting to know them. You know, most of my referrals were people that maybe I met here and there, but they're now friends. And and they know it's a two-way street. Yeah, and I I think that percentage of people that are looking for a collaborative effort among professionals is growing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we put ourselves in the <laughs> consumers, you know, when I search for healthcare, you know, I'd like my guys to talk to each other and not be in competition or yeah. have their egos that say, hey, what about me? And, and we, if we can do that with our potential patients, it will go so much better. And again, it, 
it's it's just an extension of how we are in that clinical setting when we're working with them. It's just being able to find our way to how to do that in a more public square. Exactly. And the, and the, and there's a, a again a, a growing percentage of our population that are seeking for that more personal in a, a personal trusted relationship but even by word of mouth trusting somebody else mm-hmm. said oh go to this guy because he cares mm-hmm. like, that's who I want to go to yeah and <laughs> so and you're if you know I think there have been some some research that shows that when you have that strong um, therapeutic relationship or alliance with the patient the outcomes are better Absolutely. You know, and I get all the time, like I'm seeing a patient now and, and he was like, oh, I went to one of these clinics, but it was like, I sat there, I sat there, they did a little bit and then I did some exercises and I didn't feel like I was getting anything. And so I saw your website and I thought, oh, I think this is what I need. Someone that's going to give me undivided attention. Absolutely. So. And yeah. I, I would say that changes happen slowly over the decades mm-hmm. where it's become more corporate and more factory-like, more big and institutional is just slowly creeped into that. And now with the healthcare reform putting those financial pressures, that's been all-consuming for the majority of the population, majority of the providers in those organizations. And there's been a depersonalization of the mm-hmm. of the care, and people feel that, and they know they don't they don't receive the care, they don't feel cared for, and they're not going to get as better and I do sense they're willing to put their money up to for a different alternative. I'm just encouraging therapists if you feel called to that, even if you're within an institution, how you operate your own little practice given those confines, I would practice that way. Yeah, I, I agree. And and you know, like we said it in the top of the show, it's all about a mind shift, a mindset shift. You know, so it's it's going from the I got a job, so I'm just going to go to my job, and then I'm going to just do what I have to do and leave my job, versus I have a calling, I have a career, this is what I love to do. And so it's not just checking in and checking out. It's, Absolutely. It's having that, that shift. Even if you do work for a large hospital or a large corporation, if you go in every day with that mindset, first of all, I think you'll be a lot happier and probably avoid some burnout. But I think that that will better prepare you down the road if you do decide that you want to be in a cash-based business, don't you think? I think regardless if you're in cash-based or not, not. the, the yeah. system is shifting for pay per performance. So that, right. is just, that is just comes with the territory of being a healthcare professional, that that's all-inclusive. How do I perform at my best? Because we're going to be paid that way. And then to a certain extent, the marketing of the clinic is being pushed back to the therapist to reach out to their patients and because the depersonalization, larger advertising and marketing is becoming less effective. So they're saying we want it to go back to the the health professionals themselves to do the marketing. So you're going to end up doing it one way or the other. My preference is do it and get paid for it for all your hard work. Absolutely. And and let's talk about hard work for a second, <laughs> because we spoke about this a little bit before we started the call. So, so to all those physical therapists who are thinking of, of going into a cash-based business and starting their cash-based business, unless you have a partner, 
in your business, which is always a viable option. You just better make sure that you have a good lawyer and they've drawn up all the right papers, but that's for another discussion. Um, so can you talk a little bit to the amount of work that goes in to having your own practice? Because it's not all vacations and, and unicorns and rainbows, but it's work. It's hard work. And if you're going to be the boss, you better have, the, again, talk about a mindset of, of this is going to be hard work and I'm going to have to put in some work for a couple of years to get this to maybe where you want it to be. Great point. Um, and we could go a lot of different directions in that, but to keep it focused in the, I have the roadmap and there's mm -hmm. four stages to that. And there's the, before you really move into a cash-based practice, you're trying to set up a business and that's a phase which you're probably working somewhere else, but you're putting in place like your business name, your website, and what you'd said before, the networking, you're trying to get the foundations in place before you even start having cash coming in. So we have that set up. And then the next one is the startup. So you say, okay, I've laid some foundation and oh, somebody wants me to treat them. So you see your first patient and you really are starting that up and you get paid to do that. And as soon as you start making income from that quote, that business, the IRS gets really interested in, oh, we want to tax that income you have. So you're in, a, you're in a different phase where you're just starting everything up. Those first two, there's a lot to do. And so the months ahead of time, it's ideal if you can get out six months, three months at the least to start setting this thing up before you actually charge for that first patient. Then once you start doing that, then you're going into supplies and billing system, accounting system. There are just a lot of hats, even when you're trying to keep it real simple. So I go into that. Then I go into this next phase where it says, okay, I'm going to step this up and I'm quitting that other job. So in that startup, you might still be working at the yeah, club. Yeah, you are club like you did yeah you know, you're, or, you've got your side hustle happening yeah absolutely because yeah. you've still got a uh, mouse to feed and you still have bills for that expensive apartment in new york to pay <laughs> or, or you've got student loan debt that needs to <laughs> right <be paid>. absolutely <laughs> so you got to have this cash thing called cash flow mm -hmm. so you're doing that then all it's, of a sudden you said you're getting to that point. You're saying, you know, I'm getting busier. I'm busier. I'm getting some of these systems set up. I think this might work. I'm going to step out. I'm going to step up and do this full time. And you quit that other job and then boom, you're in, in that phase. So there's quite a bit to do in those first three. Then the last one is how do I stand out? And that's when you're saying, okay, I've bootstrapped this. I've done this all myself. I'm going to hire people or get a partner or we're going to kind of grow this business. Each one of those phases has work to do it. What I see the, 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 the issue is, is when I'm in a clinic, in an institution or a hospital, or even private practice that matter, and I'm cranking it out and I'm doing it and I'm losing hopes and, geez, I'm seeing 30, 40 people a day or – this administration and I'm doing that. It says, I want an escape. <laughs> if I could call the shots or this passive income 
this cash base that I just kind of open it up and people pay me cash because I'm so good and they just come to me so I'm good. Passive that's a, income. <laughs> that, that appeals to all of us to say, oh, there's an easier way and there's escape mm-hmm. from all this and I can, it's real convenient to blame somebody. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why I go back for, full circle is if that's your reason why, that you're trying to escape what you're in mm. and you don't have a compelling why or calling, you can easily get on a treadmill and be your worst boss. <laughs> you say, I'm, yeah, my, absolutely. my previous boss was better. Now I'm working 16 hours and I'm killing myself because I can't say no. And I'm worried about the cash flow when it gets slow and I, I've got all these hats to wear. So I, again, I would say, I would go back to have a compelling reason that resonates with your soul of really why are you doing that? Once you do that, it's work, but it isn't work. It's more of, oh, this is a means to fulfillment of doing what I'm called to do. And the price for that isn't as great as if, oh, I'm slugging away at this and my heart's not in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and going back, so just to recap the roadmap, setup phase, startup phase, step-up phase, standout phase. Let's go to the step-up phase for a moment. So it's that moment when, let's say you do kind of have a side hustle going on and you're phasing out. And for, at least I can say from my experience, that was uncomfortable. And that's okay. It's important to know that when you kind of step out on your own, it's a little scary and a little uncomfortable, but that's okay. If it wasn't, then I'd be worried, you know? So I think to be able to have the confidence in the mindset and the clinical skills and like we said before, all that other stuff, um, to make that plunge to step out on your own is a little uncomfortable, but don't they say like the best things come from uncomfortable decisions, right? Well, maybe not all the time, but for the most part. So I think that's just an important thing to um, to mention there. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's another way. There's, that would be the risk, the challenge, mm-hmm. and through that comes growth. Mm-hmm. And we've seen many a medical provider that's burned out, not challenged, that's just going through the motions. And I don't want to die that way. <laughs> I don't want to die as a practitioner that way. So you have to be looking for ways to always be growing both in your clinical expertise, both in terms of how you relate to patients, and I think also economically and staying relevant with where the culture is going, both in terms of just our population, then also the economics. And in this whole healthcare reform, and in the United States, Obamacare has forced us to rethink that. It's just been one change after another after another. So therapists have had to adjust that. So either you get cynical and or start blaming others, or you others say you take that in and you say, you know, what do I need to do to keep practicing and doing what I need to love? I'm going to learn and grow and become a better therapist out of that. And there are people that are still out there that need good quality care, believe it or not. Of course. And, and we 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 owe it to them to find a way to deliver it. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Um, so let's let's go back again. So the roadmap, we've got those four sections. Um, what's the most important, I'm going to just sort of ask, what are the, the most important points in, in each of those sections? And then obviously if people want to get into 
a more detail, they will have to read the book. But so what are the most important points in each of those phases? So we'll start with the setup phase. I think what you mentioned first there um, is that networking. I, I like taking that because everybody will have, oh, this is a great idea. I, mm. I'm really good at this. I feel called to this. This is a great idea. I think this will happen. I think the best thing at that stage is to take that idea and start trying it out, whether you treat people for free or start conversations with kind of your ideal clients that you're already treating satisfied clients. And I'd start uh, networking with other therapists in cash-based practice and start bouncing that off of like-minded therapists to say, how does this sound to you? I would start putting action to your dreams and to those plans. So, so that starts, to, starts that ball rolling a little bit with the networking and not staying in your own brain a little bit. You're, you're mm -hmm. taking some action on it and you're saying, oh, I didn't really think of it that way. And you, you, as you're trying it out and you get some feedback by taking action on it. The, the two key systems there, I think, are getting that website set up, getting mm -hmm. a social media Absolutely. presence. It doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, <laughs> you thanks for it. mentioning that. Yeah, so I can get a... A internet presence with minimal investment and I can start getting that interaction in a broader sense. I can do that on Twitter, on Facebook, and I can hopefully do that on that web page that I set up that might be a blog. Mm -hmm. And do you find that there's a lot of, some people may call it manifestation, some people may call it fake it till you make it. So online do you, like, I'm always thinking to myself, God, how are they doing X, Y, Z, blah, 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 but maybe they're not quite doing it yet. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like there's that fake it till you make it online kind of things for, for in, in any profession. Um, so how do you, I guess, as the therapist, reconcile with, putting information out there, but still being true to where you are and still being true to who you are versus an embellishing or, you know, making your, because, you know, on social media, people really only put the good things. Nobody puts the bad things or the struggles or things like that. So, so do you think that, so if you're a, let's say you're a therapist looking to grow a practice and you see all of this stuff on social media, should you be taking it all at face value? Should you be looking at it a little more closely? Yeah, Karen, I really take the long-term view on that, especially in that setup, because those are foundational. I would default to genuine and authentic and trustworthiness. Mm -hmm. And again, I would set it up as a professional platform that's that's emerging it's not your personal platform it's it's your business so to speak it's mm -hmm. you as a professional and the the reality of that is a therapist that's been highly educated continue to grow can have a presence on the internet and be an expert because <laughs> right. there's so much bad stuff out there right, right. that if you stand out that somebody that's educated that cares about people that they can trust you're going to stand out mm -hmm. I, and I think that would be very appropriate for that setup or startup phase and, and not 
try to project yourself as an established authority with a practice that's that you can't deliver on because they that that can really come back to bite you in the rear end mm-hmm. and said oh okay he's one of them or she's not genuine mm-hmm. and that really erodes your foundation of why you're doing it in the whole the whole place whole yeah. first place yeah yeah absolutely okay so that's setup phase so startup phase what it, and and website i mean listen we can talk all day about a website but you know people can read about it in your book so let's go to now startup phase so what are the main points to to concentrate on in that startup phase two words it's a business so it'll be cash flow so if you say oh it's an essential say oh there's a fundamental law in nature that more has got to come in than goes than out. Yeah. So, <laughs> dip, cash flow, weight loss. Well, actually, weight loss is the opposite. But and yeah. it could get it could get really fuzzy. Yeah. But you just say, oh, okay, I'm doing this not as a hobby where I it goes out and I enjoy this and I play at it. That's okay. That that is fine. But your business or your job is subsidizing our hobbies so that we can do that. I wouldn't mesh that together. Or I want to do um, nonprofit charitable work in my community and use my skills to do that. That is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But that you don't want to something some other business is subsidizing that nonprofit so they yeah. can do that community service. Absolutely. <laughs> so you don't want to get confusion to say, oh, I'm doing this to quote help people. As a community servant, which is fine. There's a right. place for that, but yeah. you wouldn't want to mesh that with the business. So that mm-hmm. cash flow, so the the connection there is you would want to set up an accounting system. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you collect the first payment, you have to track that. Sure. So we have that. And then when you say, oh, I've set up as a business and people are going to contact me, the next phase after that is, oh, I have limited time, so I have to schedule them. The next days for your web page or your presence there is how can we schedule an appointment? Am I going to do that by phone? Can they schedule that on my website and do it automatically that they don't need me and I don't need a receptionist to do that? Mm-hmm. I would say those keys are set up is how do I schedule? How do I have a kind of quote billing set up? And then how do I have my accounting set up so I can start to track that? Because again, like we talked before, as soon as you accept payment for that business, the IRS is saying, oh, we're interested in that. We have certain laws and rules that govern that, and you have to play by our rules. You can't make up the rules as you go, so you have to start your accounting. And that is really good to get a business name, Mm -hmm. the checkbook, so you're not writing checks or using your own personal. Yeah, so you just say, oh, I didn't realize that. Those are things to... Yes. That you start to do from day one is when you see that first patient. And super important. <laughs> so does that, does that help? Yes, super so, important. So okay. with that, you, you, that you, can't get, you can't get by with that. Because yes. there's, other reg- there's a government that's very interested in collecting taxes. Yes, they want your it. money. <laughs> and then we talked a little bit about the step-up phase. And that's where you're kind of stepping out, maybe going out on your own. Things might start to get a little uncomfortable. That's okay. So we'll sort of skip over that because I think we already talked about it. Um, so let's go to the standout. So how, how do you stand out from the rest? That would be that 
word that we'd ever really like to talk about in terms of the health profession, that would be sell. We talk about marketing and advertising, but there is just that ability to sell what we do, feel so strongly and confident in what we do, care so much about patients to say, you know, I have what you need. Can I explain that to you and come up with a way of explaining that and quote, marketing ourselves to do that. Marketing is important through each phase, but it really becomes important in this one where you're saying, I need to have enough flow, so I'm really going to try to make this stand out. And that goes back to your foundation. What is my clinical expertise that I can really have a standout expertise that I can shout about, that I can draw attention to, that will hold up to that type of attention and scrutiny that will kind of will grow with that. The other one that I really see is, again, it's, it's almost scaling at that practice. You're starting to get busier, you're in it, and you're finding out saying, you know, I need to really focus in on what I'm good at and start to outsource or hire other people to do the things that are much better than me. And you start developing a team, and that's when you start stepping into, oh, I'm becoming more of a leader. I'm casting a vision. These are our goals. This is the direction you're going. And the people that are helping you want to know, why are we doing this? Where are we going? I want to help you. I'm really good at this, but I need you to uh, set the vision for this. That's where it comes into this standout where you say, you know, I'm going to pull back a little bit and not do everything and let go of the control of this. Trust my team to do it. I'm going to do on team building so we can lead all of this team in the direction to accomplish our goals. And I think that's really great advice. And I think that, like you said, the way you spoke about selling, it's selling without being salesy. Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of people in healthcare in general have a hard time kind of tooting their own horn or, or going out there and selling because they may feel like it's inauthentic. But there are ways to do that and keep your authenticity and be genuine. And they're, they're usually the people who are most successful anyway. I, let me give you just a simple one on that yeah. one. I, it's just, it's really, it's just taking what we already have in terms of our clinical skills, our listening, and helping people. On that last visit, and you've got this patient that loves you, that's satisfied with your care, that <laughs> says, "Oh, I, I just, you've connected with them." And before they walk out, says, "You know, I've really enjoyed this relationship. I'm glad you helped. Keep doing your exercise if you need some help." I'm here, I'm available, here's my card, here's my website, I'm here for you for as long as you need me. It isn't that I'm discharging you today. I want to have an ongoing relationship where I can help you as best I can. And if you know anybody else that's looking for help like that, would you give them this card? Matter of fact, I'm going to give you two, or I'm going to give you this back educational brochure that has my name on it, if they could benefit from the exercises approach, just give them this brochure of this of these helpful explanation of these exercises or whatever it would be. Would you give them to them and give them my name? Now is that <laughs> and that will make a difference. Yeah. And, and that's that sounds not, pretty easy to me. And that's not car sales me or no. sleazy or no. manipulative. That is just saying, oh I care so much about you and the people that you know that I know I have what you need and I don't want you to get lost in this healthcare system and not get what you need and get 
MRIs and run into people that want to take advantage of you, I am probably the best person to help you. And, and I'm called to help people like you. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that's great advice. So for all of you listeners out there, if you want to sell without being salesy, there you go. There Problem you go. Problem solved. Um, <laughs> on that note, we are running short on time, believe it or not. I feel like I went by so fast. Um, but what I'll ask from you is, is um, just to give some parting thoughts on, on you know, running a, cash, a successful cash-based physical therapy practice. And then we'll have you some closing thoughts on the book. So first, the clinical part, the clinical business marketing, the PT, the running a business. So what, what is your sort of go-to advice for someone who comes to you and says, I really want to do a cash-based business? There's two kind of viewpoints. There's one of looking out and I just encourage you to just step back and look what's happened in the broader picture in terms of healthcare and how you might act differently, what's within your control, and how you can change given all the changes that has happened around us. We can't control what we can't control. And as we start to look at all those things and start to blame and make excuses, our, our situation doesn't really change. So I, again, looking out, see what has changed and taking a good assessment of that. And then that, the other aspect is to look in. And that's, again, the heart of it, the soul of it, is why you became a therapist in the first place. And that's what drives me. And I still love being a physical therapist. There's all this other stuff I got to do. <laughs> and it drives me nuts at times. But that magical moment where I get to use my intellectual capacities, my experience, and I'm taking this information and I figure it out and I say, well, okay, here's my Beth hypotheses on this. I'm connecting with this patient. I'm educating and I do a hands-on technique. I do it and I get better. That is so cool. <laughs> and, they, and they need it. And what a privilege to do that. And I, I said, you know, I don't care how much I get paid, really. That is so valuable to me. And I, I want to build a career. I'm meant to be a physical therapist. So given that, I says, that's my calling. I want to do that as long as possible. I am glad I became a, a physical therapist. And in terms of the book, I've, I've just tried to help people think about that, the why and, the, and a little bit of some basics of how to change. I, the, my next book is I'm rattling around my brain. It says, you know, I'd like to have just those simple steps that we talked about is do this, do this, do this. Keep it simple. And this is just how you get started. Mm -hmm. This book provides a, 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 a bird's eye view. They say, you want to get from point A to point B. Here's my opinion of the path that you would go on, and we're all on this journey. I would be very cautious of someone that gives you, this is how I did it, and you need to do it the same way. It's so personal, and our expertise is such, and we're at such a different journey. My advice is to be on that journey professionally, whether you're in a cash-based practice, or you're in a private practice, or whether you're in a hospital, 
be a professional that's on a professional journey to be the best that you can be and to serve the clients that you're called to serve and do it the best you can because that is the quest. And when we get older, <laughs> and I'm closer there than you, and you look back mm-hmm. on that, you want to have no regrets with that. You want to say, you know, I, did, I was the best therapist I could be. I helped a lot of people. I had an impact in this community. I ministered to people. That was a good career. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, just for people listening, the one thing that I really liked about the book was that it wasn't just like a manual of do this, 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 and this. There's a lot of background um, on healthcare and the changing environment in healthcare and why cash-based practices are becoming more prevalent. And I think that was great. And I think very smart of you to do that. Um, and I think there's a lot on, like we spoke about today, mindsets and, and shifting and, and making sure that you're in it for the, for the right reasons, whatever those reasons may be, but, but making sure that you're in it for the right reasons. Because it sounds to me like what you're saying is, is going into this cash-based model, taking away the business part, the marketing part, all that stuff, the, the thing that's most important is that you are loving what you're doing, you're excited by what you're doing, and it's really what you feel you've been called to do. And if you can, can take that passion and that love for your job and make money at it and translate that into a great business, then kudos to you. Because I think you, like you said, you can kind of end your career saying, boy, I, I really, I did what I love to do. And aren't I so lucky and thankful and grateful to do that? And I, I, I kudos Karen, very good summary, and I think being willing to accept, to think about a a cash model, cash practice model as an alternative, to just entertain that thought to say, you know, there might be an alternative way to do this that brings those two worlds together. Mm -hmm. It it might be a better model to reach out, to not have a middleman between us and our patients, and to use the internet to use word of mouth marketing to use personal relationships to have people introduce us for the medical profession to be more genuine and authentic and approachable and Mainstream. available. Yes. Mm-hmm. How, how, <laughs> how cool I mean, is that? We've circled back around to the community of yeah. primary care physician our, that lived down the block that would come to our house for house call. And that's a better model mm-hmm. for, for that. So, and it's I, I would just encourage driven, like you said before. That's a consumer driven model. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You're giving the people what they want. And how great is that? And then those people will tell other people and so on and so forth. You have a nice trickle down effect. So listen, I think the book is great. Congratulations. It's no small order writing a book. So <laughs> congrats. I'm always jealous of people who write books. Um, again, seriously, again, the name of the book is On Fire, Ignite Your Passion with a Cash Therapy Practice. What's the website? Where can people go to get it? PaulPotterPT.com. Very, and very I'd love easy. to talk to them. I, my, web, uh, my website email is just heypaul at PaulPotterPT.com. So if you've got a question, um, just give me a holler and say, hey, Paul, and just ask your question. I'd be glad to get back to you and help you. Well, thanks so much for, for coming on and, and for the talk. I really appreciate it. Um, the book is great. Again, congrats. And so everybody, go out, get the book. Hey, is can you get the book on like Audible? 
Is it? Is there an Audible format as well? Yes, all I right. went all out. We went Kindle. We went uh, self-publishing. So it's on Amazon. And then I went the extra mile and says, you know, I always listen to these books when I'm working Wait, out. Did you do the Audible? Did you do the recording? I did on my cash therapy practice, the manifesto. I did that recording myself, and then I had a friend of mine do the – she's much better at it than uh, me, so I had her do the longer version. Uh-huh, cool. Excellent, excellent. So there you go. Kindle, actual book <laughs> in your hand with pages that you turn with your fingers and or an audible. So you have a lot of different ways to do it. So again, it's called On Fire, Ignite Your Passion with a, uh, Ignite Your Passion with a Cash Therapy Practice. Thanks for, so much for coming on. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. <laughs>